Right, Real As It Gets, episode five. I'm your host, Callum Hickey, if you don't know this already. Today, I have with me the kindest soul in the world, Intasa. Hello. Uh, yes, lovely to, lovely to have you on. So, let's first talk about how we know each other, because this is quite funny. <laughs> me and you get along so well already, <laughs> and I, this is the first day I've ever seen you in the flesh. Yes, first time we've met. We've been following each other on IG for yeah, a while now. So, we're Instagram buddies. Yes. So but Instagram buddies are for life. Exactly. Yeah. And we said this the other day. Yeah, you're not getting did. rid of me now. No, you're There's not. No, no <laughs> way. You're not getting rid of me. Gotta be around. So I let me tell you how I even came across Intersar. So it was I had this is gonna sound nuts, yeah? I had a dream. Okay. And don't worry, it's not I'm just gonna be a lot crapper than <laughs> the other I have a dream speech. Yeah. But I had this dream that I had so Paige, Paige is filming as well. She knows. We done a ten hour bushfire event for the Aussie bushfires yeah. and it was a charity event we just went at it 10 hours we raised as much as we could and it was always on my mind I thought right I need to do something like that again that yeah. was such a buzz I and mean, it was such for a good cause and then um and then what happened I had this dream and I woke up and I'd woke up like I'd already done it mm-hmm. like it, it, the, it, I'd done it in the manor which is where I'm working now yeah. but this was before I was even working at the manor it was so crazy and uh and the cause was for the children of Yemen. Yeah. Now, me being a dad, that's a massive cause to me. It's, it means a Very lot. Cool. And I want to raise as much as I can. But the dream was so real. Like, I felt, I woke up thinking, wow, I've done that. And then for some reason, I had 20 hours in my head. Okay. 20 hours. And then I spoke to Charlie, the guy who runs the manor. So 20 hours non-stop of working out. Well, 40 minutes on, 20 minutes off. I wanted okay. to keep the same sort of routine as we did with the Aussie bushfire. And, uh, yeah, Charlie and Lauren, the other girl who uh, works for the manor, they talked me into going 24 hours. So we're going to do 24 hours. Okay. So I had it in my head. For some reason, I had Yemen, the manor. Like, this was all in my head before I'd even started working there. And then I saw you on Saeed's Instagram. Now, shout out Saeed. He works for BOXR. Yeah, he's my trainer. He is a trainer. Bizarre. He is an absolute legend, a beast. Him and Rez, shout out Rez as well. Um, and he had shared your post of you doing deadlifts. Yes. The one time. You, it was, yeah. What was it? What did you deadlift? 100. 100 and I didn't crazy. know it was 100. I thought it was 80. That's just something I didn't believe do. him at all. I made him actually count everything. Yeah. Count the barbell, the weight, everything. I was like, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. And it this was weird after I did it. Yeah, because time. you're a legend. Yeah, of course you can like, lift that. No way. But yeah. Yes, it was off a platform, but still. Like, that's but then this is the thing. I saw your post with him like a few days after I had the dream. Okay. So I clicked on your Insta. I had a little scroll seeing what you was about. But yeah. then I saw in your bio, you've got the run for Yemen. Yes. And I was like, fuck, this is a sign, man. Yeah, this is and nuts. we only, like, that happened, came about in July. Yeah, I was like, this, this is together, insane. Yeah. Like, I can't believe this. So then I just reached out to you and I said, look, I've got this plan in my head. Yeah. I want to do it. I need help. I don't want to raise a bunch of money and give it to, like, a shitty corporation where yeah. I don't know the Yemenese people are going to get it or not. Yeah. And you was like, nope. The charity we do it with, they're on the ground. Yes, they are. And you give me all the information I needed. And I thought, this girl is fucking a legend. She's so cool. And then we just started talking through there, didn't we? We stayed in touch. And uh, Can I just say I love your IG stories and the, the question times. Like, yes. hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Some, some people yeah. ask very, very rude <laughs> questions. So like, if you don't follow me. It's just me, the replies that you <laughs> yeah. give. And I'm like, you're too funny. If you do follow me, you need to know that you're probably not going to like everything you see. <laughs> Uh, it's uh yeah that's the way I go. No no no, no it's, it's honesty. It's just as raw as it gets. Yeah, and um yeah we stayed in contact through then and we know mutual people. You know Dora, shout yes. out Dora. Yeah, she Nike coach. Queen of Sass, the queen, queen of, of Sass. Sass, and she is also the queen of the positive peer pressure crew. Yes, yeah, so I sit explain before we even go on. Talk to me about that because every time I see yours. Courtney's, I see Dora's, it's a yeah. peer pressure gang or something yes, like that. Yes, positive yeah. peer pressure gang. There's quite a few of us in the crew. Mm. Um, 
so basically whenever anybody any of us goes out for a run we make sure we post it and yeah. then we tag the people that are part of the Posty Paintbrushes cruise. That being said, it could be anyone. Yeah. It could be someone that we haven't seen post a run in the week or we challenge you. For, for example, the other day, Dora posted a two days back to back double digits, hence why I went for a 10K yesterday. I was yeah, like, no way. Like, like, I've, been, I've been called that twice. I'm going to go and drop a 10K. And I did. So um, that's the whole idea of it. And also it's accountability. Yeah, of course. You're being like, held accountable to... So do you have to do it? Every time someone tags you, you have to go out and match it or beat it? Not match it, beat it, but it gives you that... Not necessarily do it, because sometimes you might be injured or you're yeah, not in the mood course. or you don't want to go out and run or the weather could be rubbish. I mean, we had snow but people still going yeah, out running. That's, that's no excuses. But um, it London, just gives London you that... London for you, isn't it? London the weather's just shocking. Exactly. Shocking. But it just gives you that... Um, that nudge that you need, and yeah. sometimes, like when you see someone, a colleague, a friend, a mate, a peer mm. doing something good, then you're gonna match it. I'd be the worst in your group. No, I think you're the worst because I'd turn my Instagram off and everything. No, no, no. You've got to do a 10k. Like, ah, oh, yeah. do you know what it is? No, I've got a kid as well. I'd be like, oh, my kid's not feeling well. It doesn't. But it's just that I was positively pressured into running a double-digit run because I haven't done it for a while. Standard. How'd you yeah. get on? With the run? It was good. It was good. It was an easy run. I did it. I wanted to get like 10k in 60 minutes, and I did that. I mean, Play, yeah. man. Definitely. Yeah. Right, let's talk about, before we go on to any campaigns you do or anything like that, I want you to talk about how much of a fucking G you are <laughs> training through your condition. Now, tell me a little okay. bit. So I know, but tell everyone yeah. else about the condition you okay, cool. train through and you boss. Thank you so much. I mean, um, it's 11 years now. No, 11 years, I think. I, I think forget. it was. I think it was. Because yeah. uh, on Saeed's post, it I was did it, the yeah, 11 yeah. year. So um, yeah. On the 1st of August, 2010, I woke up, and it was the first day of Ramadan, and it was, it was summer. Um, it was hot. Um, I woke up with, and I was fasting. I woke up with like um, numbness in my left hand side, face, arm, shoulders, all the way down to my fingertips, and like some of my leg. My le so it was only on my left hand side. So um, I was like, "Mom, like I'm not feeling well today. What's going on?" She was like, "It's the first day of Ramadan. You're fasting. Maybe you're just fatigued, and it's hot." Mm. And another thing, I, I usually I'm okay in the heat. Yeah. At that time, I thought I was, but um, it was really hot that day. It was like 25, 26 for me. That's hot now. And then I was like, no, mum, something else or something else. I knew it was something else. And then we broke our fast. And then it came time to, like, pack up the plates and things like that. And I started dropping, like, cups and cutlery everywhere. And then I thought... Must have been terrified, no? It was scary because yeah, I was like, this is a cup and a plate. you're not in control of your own body. Exactly. I couldn't, like, hold it. And it hardly weighs anything. You know, like, think about a plate. Like, yeah. what is that? Nothing. And, and, and then I thought, okay. And like, it was, what, was it still just in the left side? It was, I was holding it right like this my right hand side left hand side but the left hand was so weak that it couldn't even balance and plate wow. and it fell and then the fork fell and then the cup fell and one was like okay like something's going on so um anyways i broke up my fast um i prayed and then, and then i thought okay and let me go get it checked out because um and also i'm a biomedical sciences graduate so i knew internally something was going sorry, on sorry can we just go back to that you're a biomedical sciences this girl is just bachelor's, coming up with yeah. more skills you're a g go so on, I, carry was like, on. I knew internally something was going on in my body i knew it 100 percent. i'm like it's not the fasting i've been fasting since i was 14 yeah. like no younger than that even like eight nine well, so you know you got yourself be. in trouble there innit? yeah i know i said at 14 but officially like from from a young yeah, of course, age yeah, half yeah. day and then going into four days in Ramadan. And plus, like, fasting in the UK, you're fasting 17, 18 hours. Yeah. So that's different. Um, and then um, I went to the A&E, Northwood Park Hospital, and then I waited for a bit, and then the nurse saw me. What's going on? I told her. She was like, oh, maybe you're tired. I'm like, no, there's something else going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, I you saw know, a doctor. You know yeah, I knew body. it. Yeah, exactly. And then I saw a doctor, and he thought I was having a stroke. And I was like, mm, not that it doesn't happen in young people, but I was like, really, like... I'm not having a stroke. He yeah. goes, well, you exhibit some of the symptoms. I'm like, what? Like, um, my arms are fine. Like, I can raise them. But I went through it anyways with him because it could have been. I didn't want to, like, 
um, use my knowledge against the doctor, obviously. But I was like, no, there's something else. They sent me home. They're like, just sleep, get rest or whatever. I was like, all right, cool. And then woke up the next day, still the same. I couldn't walk. Shit. Yeah, I got up and I, tr- I couldn't even like do a normal like right, left, right, left. And then I was stumbling and I thought, okay, now my walking is getting affected. Yeah. And then throughout the day, my speech started to get affected. So my speech was very slow. So I went back to the a and they're like, okay, you're not having a stroke. It might be something else. I'm like, so yesterday you said it's a stroke. Today you're saying it's something else. I'm like, I can't even walk. I'm surprised I drove here. Luckily, I drive automatic. But um, yeah. I was like, no, it's something else internally. I can feel it. I know there's something going on. And then back and forth, they sent me back to my GP. And then I kept on going back and back because I was convinced there was something else wrong. Yeah, of course. Um, the sixth GP that I saw, who's the head of the clinic, and and he's been my GP since I moved to this country, so 13. Um. I was like, there's something going on. And he goes, yes, there is. He goes, neurological, you can't even walk in a straight line. And there's this test they do. It's like a finger-to-nose test. I couldn't even do it. And then he's like, we need to send you to a neurologist. You need the MRI scan ASAP. Um, Within two days, the NHS worked really fast for me. So this was October, end of like, so no, I was first into slide, first of August. By like beginning of October, like I was Pushing, pushing, pushing. So by the time I saw my sixth GP, I got my first MRI appointment. I had my MRI appointment. First time ever being in that machine. I'm claustrophobic as well. Yeah, oh, I, saw, I had oh to do one myself. God, that is a bad they are experience. Horrible. And they're like, do you want some music? No, I don't want music. I just, remember they just, played Justin Bieber in mine. I was like, How, what, who's no, that going to help? There's, not, there's nothing calming far? about that. Like I just that? thought, let me just concentrate on my breathing and let this 40 minute go. So it was a full body MRI. Did it two days. And then it was my birthday on the 10th of October. And then on the 13th, I got, on the 12th, I got a phone call. See how I remember the dates? Like everything is like yeah, ingrained yeah, yeah. in my head. Now, yeah. 12th of October, I got a phone call from my um, neurologist. And she was like, you need to come and see me ASAP. So it wasn't the secretary. It wasn't anyone. It was a consultant. I went, I sat down and she goes, I've got your MRI results. I'm like, what do I have? Straight away. Like I was like, tell me. Just wanted to know. Yeah, yeah I just suppose wanted you'd to seen know. Doctors, goes, oh, you just had enough. You want to know and I just start working, to know. working she goes, on it oh, from there. You've got lesions on your spine. I was like, how many? And she told me, and she goes, there's one, like, in between, right, right, okay, just just at, at the base of your, like, at the top of your spinal cord, and she goes, there's someone in your brain. And I'm like, okay, what color are they? She told me, they're gray, and they're like this. And I'm like, are they myelinated? She was like, yes. I was like, do I have MS? And she's like, okay. Fuck. Yeah, so I knew, like, because yeah. I, I went through the list, I went through the symptoms, I went through everything that was going on, and also, like, leading up to the diagnosis, um, I was forgetting stuff cognitively. I was very slow. Like I couldn't even like put a sentence together. Yeah. And I was, wa- I'm thinking of something. I want to say it, but I can't say it. So my speech was affected majorly. And then, and then, uh, and then my mom was sitting there right next to me. And then she was like, my mom, I had to like translate it to my mom. And my mom was in Yemen as well. So I was like, okay, mom, this was wrong, but let me deal with it first. She, and I'll she deal. was in Yemen at the time. No, she was with me in Yemen. Oh, I oh. just met the mom from Yemen. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. So my mom was sitting there. She's scared, terrified. Cause she saw my face drop and I was like, let me deal with this yeah, and yeah. I'll deal with you after. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know what mums yeah. are like, they're, they're just going to panic anyway. She was already panicking. Yeah, it could be anything. You could yeah. just cut your finger, exactly. your mum will panic. Yeah, and, yeah. and she was just freaking out. And then the doctor was like, okay, so this is what you have. I'm like, what type of MS? And she told me, so I have remitted relapsing MS. And it's a type of MS that you would relapse. So you go through a period of no symptoms, Look and sound normal, speech normal, everything normal, and then you remit, and then and then you go through a period of remission, so no symptoms, nothing, yeah. and then you relapse into it could be one symptom from all your symptoms, it could be a new one, it could be a mixture of them, um, all together in one. So for me, my symptoms were um, um, slurred speech number one, um, slower cognitive thinking number mm-hmm. two. Sometimes like I have to like 
think really hard or have like bullet points and notepads when I want to talk about something at work, especially. Um, I can't tolerate heat. Really? Yeah, I hate summertime. Fair enough. I'm born and raised in a hot country, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm born and raised in Abu Dhabi. Um, I'm African, but the thought of like doing summertime is so. All my trips are usually December, January. February, that's Fair when enough. I travel. At least you're not yeah. letting it stop you, though. At least you no, get no, 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 100%. Yeah, exactly. I just make sure where I'm going, can I handle that weather? So yeah. It takes a lot of, like, planning when I'm travelling on holiday. So when you go back home? Um, when I go back to Dubai and Abu Dhabi, I, I go back this time. Ah, okay. But now ain't nobody flying because nobody's ain't going. It's always hot over there, no? No, not really. This oh. is For them, like, now it's like 25, 26, and for me, that's fine. Yeah, that sounds it's hot to me. I'm just, my skin can't yeah, take it. Yeah, but it hits it's 45. Skin. It's Irish skin. It, it hits work. 45 degrees during the summer, yeah, yeah. and I can't do that. I think I'll just set a light. It's, it's horrible. It's Spontaneously disgusting. combust. And for me, that's fine. So I was like, okay, cool. So I'm going to have to travel. So I'm going to have to plan everything around it. Okay. So the speech, the, the, um, the slow thinking, slow answers and the walking sometimes um and then it left me with the first first relapse that i had in august 2010 left me with a numb left arm um all the way down to my fingertips and like pins and needles mm. and i live with it forever like i still got it to now really yeah so my left hand side is definitely weaker than my right and then um i could literally hold something hot and burn myself i've burned myself so many times where i'm like oh my god that's hot like my, i know it's hot but yeah. i can't feel that it's hot so there's that. It's just and a lot of adapting to go with it. It is. Like, yeah, a lot. Yeah, and then there was a shock of like my parents, like, nope, you're our firstborn, you can't be sick. They were in denial. They flew me out to Frankfurt, Germany to go see all these private doctors. They're like, nope, we're flying out, we're going. So my dad lives in Abu Dhabi. He's a, a petroleum engineer, now retired. And he was like, right, tickets are booked. You and your mom are flying out tomorrow. I was like, okay, like, let me process what happened. Of course. But no, we had, we, they t- I took all my NHS um, documents, results, MRIs, went to Germany, Frankfurt, where you can just knock on a door and any doctor and be seen straight away, no appointments, no nothing. I was seen by like all these neurologists and they agreed they had MS. And then again, telling my parents that, breaking it down to my mum. And for them, it's kind of like, because I'm their firstborn, so they were like, we're just going to have to like protect you from everything now. I'm like, no, like let me live, let me breathe. But um, so I was meant to be starting my master's that year. I've deferred it. So uh, I got into Brunel to do masters in public health, but I just the thought of like going into full time education again was just too much. Yeah. So I took a gap year. Um, I was working part time in retail. It was fine. Just coming into terms with living with MS, and it was tough. And then I started studying, and because of studying and the stresses of studying and writing a dissertation, I would relapse. Oh, so okay. I would get better, and then I was stressed because of assignment and dissertations and work and presentations, and I relapse again. So lots of my work for uni was I had to do mitigating circumstances and get doctors to like fill out documents for me. Yeah. I would still hand in all my work on time. I would get my ones and two ones and I handed in my dissertation on time. Everything was always on time, but it's okay. like I had to have extra support. Yeah. From um, So I had longer time in exams. I didn't have longer period to submit my work. Mm. It's just that the lectures were considerate of my condition, but yeah, yeah. that didn't judge, like they didn't, no, of course, Use that's that. Not, yeah, because yeah, my that work was still my come work. Down to marketing, yeah. it does, that doesn't come exactly. Into play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was so fair, but I managed to graduate, and then, um, so that was that. And then I thought, okay, cool. What am I going to do next? I really wanted to work in public health for the NHS, and I kind of started from the bottom up in the NHS. You have to, and sometimes it can be who you know, and and but sometimes it could be just luck. So I I managed to get my foot in. Started working in Hertfordshire. Um, West Hearts Hospitals, NHS Trust, and then um, from there, kind of like, I had good managers, yeah. and they watched me blossom, and they put me on this, all these courses, and I did another master's while I was studying, while I was working full-time, and 
you know, and I was like, okay, cool, I can do all of these things, but now what? What can I do when I'm at home, when I come back from work? What can help, like, kind of, because I'm still living with MS. Yeah, of course. But it's like, what can, what can I do? What else could make it easy? And in school, I was always athletic. I was always in the track team and then cross country, netball, um, rounders, all those things. So I thought, I was, I was walking and thinking, and then I thought, let me just turn this into, like, back in the day, how I used to warm up start running and then it kind of like it's 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 like muscle memory you just pick up again and you go so so before we go on to like the uh the run for yemen was you advised to weight train at a battle no. ms or do you just no, run off nothing. your own back the doctor it? at the time told me you need to go and, and disease yes. modifying drugs asap and luckily i had a nurse that was so like because I, I i'm not in any meds i said nope i'm just gonna live a healthy lifestyle and i became vegan i started running and i took brought something back into my life that i loved yeah and I kind of left behind because of A-levels and uni stress. But I'm like, how am I going to come back to all of that? Probably be Everything. surprised by countering that yeah. stress. That's probably made you... It has. It, it kind of like gave me this buffer. And yeah. it helped me with the family stress as well. Because from my dad's side of the family, I'm the firstborn. I'm the first granddaughter. I had my grandparents. I had my aunties, uncles. Everybody just being super worried. Till this day, they are. Like, yeah, if I don't answer the phone, are you dead? I'm like, no, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm just working, you know? So it's it gave me that time to get away from the family and kind of like process this disease that I have to live with for life. Mm. And then I started running again. And I thought, okay, cool, I can do this thing. And then I started signing up for races. I entered London t- London Marathon 2016 through a ballot and I got it just Come like on. that. See what I'm saying? Hardly any runners. Like Scale it's so needs a tick hard. next to every box. Fucking it's legend. It's so hard to get into London and I got it. And I thought, right, I'm going to have to start training for this. And part of long distance training is strength training. Like yeah. you have to be strong to run, not just run fast, but also to prevent injury. Um, I started doing my own little thing here and there. Anyways, running became like a thing. I started doing all these races. And strength training came into my life after I've done like quite a few marathons, after I've done all these things. I was looking at my times and I was like, okay, I need to improve my pace, my splits, all of this. How am I going to do that? I need to lift. Okay, so I signed up to this gym that I've been following on Instagram Boxer. So I was like, okay, cool, this looks nice. I could do a class with like 20 other people because the instructor won't just look at me and say, you're doing something wrong. But if if I'm in a class, then it's going to be kind of like diluted. Mm. And that's where I met my trainer. So I've been training, they're going to the classes, and then I I got the ballot for Chicago Marathon as well. And that same year, I ran London again. Cool, man. um, So yeah, by now, I've done like four marathons. And then there was Berlin in there as well. So I'm like, okay, cool. I need to get Chicago, and I need to do a good time. And Chicago's quite flat, and it's made for PBs. I was like, cool. And then as I was training at Boxer, Saeed comes up to me and says, who's my trainer now? Um, And so like, you've been running, you've been attending this place. Let Let me train you for Chicago. And I thought, okay, cool. This is where the strength and conditioning comes into it. And my first session, my first PT session, I was shocked. I was like, what was that? Because you go to classes and they're fun and the music is booming. But yeah, when yeah. you do strength and conditioning in a room, which is you and your trainer. Oh, yeah, there's no there's escape. No, yeah, yeah, no, no escape. escape. Yeah, yeah. And I've got this habit of missing my rep counts. Till this day today, he stands there and is like, you owe me three more. Like, you stopped at 22. I'm like, I like no, that, that he does 25. that, though, because a soft trainer will let you get away. Yeah, no, he doesn't. Like, no, no, what no, was no, that? no. Or he, if, you're, if you do shit form, a good yeah. trainer should be like, mate, what was that? Exactly. That was rubbish. Do it again. It's like, I... The thing is, like, I'm, I think I'm good with keeping count with my reps. Mm. But when you're doing, like, you're 25 zone, burpees, you like, you're going to yeah. miss two, three, four, whatever. So it's like, no, you owe me three. I'm like, okay, cool. Here we go. <laughs> but um, so I started training with him. And then um, so we train, like, once a week, sometimes twice a week. But it's like I take my training with me home. So I incorporate that at home. So I use it now as prehab 
for my run. So I do like a bit of strength and conditioning training before I go on a run. And then I use it after my run as well. Um, I'm not big on stretching after a run. I'd rather like... I'm just not big on stretching. I know, I, I know. It. But it's for so running, for like, there's so much research coming out now about yeah. like skipping stretching altogether. Oh, and I'm you're gonna better off doing... Running. I'm going to get into running. Better off doing 10 yeah. minutes of a stretch uh, of a um, strength and conditioning session. So I usually like on strength ankles, hips, hip flexors, number one. Mm. Um, my ankles as well, because I'm just recovering from an ankle injury. So I was like, okay, how can I just maintain this and prevent injury at all times? So now like, you know, it's just... It's become part of life where the running bit and the strength and conditioning bit go hand in hand. There's no one without the other. You can't be a good, fast runner without the, without the strength and conditioning. Yeah, yeah. You also want to prevent injuries. And yeah. I'm getting older. So I'm like, I don't want to like go out on a run and sprain my ankle and my ankle's broken. And that's going to knock me out of for course. 12 months. Yeah. So yeah, they go hand in hand. Amazing, honestly, yeah. that's so good. That's me so far. But yeah, I still sign up to races. No, so though. far, so good. That's so a story. Far, so far, it's been brilliant. Running has opened so many things for me. Yeah, talk to me about uh, Run for Yemen. So that's what caught my eye. Well, okay. you caught my eye doing deadlifts. It's on the, and then t- I saw it's on that the and tag. Like, okay. So um, so last year, July, um, and it's still going until now, the Yemen crisis. It's been it's been quite sad. I feel like the whole world. No, it is world, sad because a lot of the world don't even know. No, the it's whole not, world forgot Yemen. It's the way it a more be. beautiful yeah. country in the Middle East. My mum comes from there and I've got ancestry and I've got family back home. And it's like, what can we do to help my people? But it's not just my people, it's our people because we're children of the world. That's how I see it anyway. Yeah, of course. So Mo Mohammed, who is, he kind of became my captain for Run for Yemen. And I've met him through um, another run club that we did. And he messaged everybody and he said, guys, like, we need to do something for Yemen. They're going through so much. They're going through crisis. People don't even have clothes, food. Like, it was the videos being shared on Instagram as well of, like, these almost skeleton-like human beings, but still talking yeah. and breathing and living. And I'm like, how am I living in this luxury? And my people are not. Yeah. So he's like, let's do this. Let's create a run group. And we're going to run the distance of London to Yemen, which is like just over 3,000 kilometers or something along those lines or miles. Wow. And then everybody pledged an amount. And the amount of kilometers you pledged is the amount you paid for your charity. Like hey. you put in. So if you pledged 100 I mean, it wasn't necessarily, but people did it. Yeah, of course. People did it even more. Did you so have like a big backing with it as well? Like, did a lot of people jump in? A lot of people jumped Love in. Yeah, and yeah. Mo, he, he worked at Barclays at the time. I think they supported it as well because of like a big community and um, fundraising scheme they were doing. So it was like, like for like. Okay. And then as we were planning the runners bit, the cyclists were like, well, we want to do something for cyclists where, uh, so it became a run for Yemen, cycle for Yemen group, two in one. Mm. So we had 20 runners and I think 10 cyclists. And between the two groups, we did the kilometers clocked where to Yemen and back from Yemen again. And then the money that was raised, we raised just over like, I think just, I think it was about 7,000 pounds that we raised at, at the end of it. That is amazing. Yeah, and we, within a month, we did it in July. 1st of July to the 31st of July. We should do a collab. We should get Run for Yemen in when we do the 24-hour They'd event. They'd be brilliant, honestly. The crew, they're fantastic. Let's the, do it. Most of them are London-based. Um... I think they'll be up for it. I'm just hoping that things, as things ease yeah. through the pandemic. Yeah, we're probably going to have to wait a couple of months to do yeah. it. But if we put it out there, build it up. Build it I up. I don't care and if we have to do it on the street. We'll just we'll get be it done. Brilliant. They're mm. absolutely fantastic. And th- th- that was another accountability crew um, thing that we were doing where we go out and run, but it's like, you know, I'm not just doing it for me and you. I'm doing it for people back home. I'm doing it to raise money. I'm doing it. And then I had all these other people like share the posts and then the word spread out. And before you know it, like, we had like other run crews from. Um, the world like post about us, share about us. So internationally, people were really invested in Run for Yemen, mm. and I think it's going to be something that we do annually, anyways. Good, yeah. And I'm the involved. weather was nice. Yeah, hundred percent. The weather was amazing. So 
Everybody want, wanted to go out. July was amazing. Everybody wanted to go out and run. Yeah. So, yeah, it kept us going. And I think I pledged. I, I said I'm going to do 100 miles, so 160 kilometers. I think I just hit, like, 175, I think. Nice. Some some of the girls did 200. Jeez. Yeah, I know. I th- one of the boys, like, the captain of the group, Mo, he did 300 kilometers. And then there was another Jeez. another guy as well, Naeem. He did about 300 kilometers as well. They were amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And you saw that money being matched. The amount that you clocked. That money was matched because your name is unless like, you you donate anonymously, like, yeah. your name is there. So you saw it, and I'm like, you guys are amazing. You yeah. put your money, you you put your, where your money is, and you just did it. Love that. So yeah, it was great. Good. So that carries on. That's still going to this day. I hope so too. I mean, th- I think you can still fundraise, but we want to do it again this year as well. Yeah, Another well, let me know. I'll be yeah, involved. Definitely. I'll definitely get involved in that. Definitely, that'd be great. So right. yeah, let's talk that. about the. I saw recently you shared a Nike campaign. Yes. But you've been doing some Nike bits for a little while, no? Yes, I have. Talk to me how you even got into Nike, the campaigns you've done with them. I want to hear it all. Okay, cool. So Nike kind of... So I use the Nike Run app a lot. Mm-hmm. for Well, I use it only for training and logging my kilometers. And then through Nike in the Run app, they have this... And any Nike app, they have this thing where members access. And then sometimes members that have been part of the Nike apps for a while get perks here and there. And then they'll, be, they'll do host like events and things like that. Come and share your feedback. And then I kind of got involved with two events that happened end of 2019. End of 2019, yes. Yeah. So I was invited to one of them was um, Modest Swear for Muslim women. Well, women, women full stop. Yeah. And then, so that was one. And then I did one for a yoga one. It was, And I was just qualified as a yoga instructor then. And then, obviously, the Modest Swear I was really invested in because, you know, I tried... Muslim women covered head to bottom. Yeah. But at the same time, modest wears for everybody. You don't have to be Muslim. You don't have to be religious to be modest. So I did those two sessions. And I like that. I like yeah, they're, they're great. I like and yeah, I mean, you ha- no, I like it's it. for it's everyone, nice. yeah, you know? Yeah, of course, I like it. And then I did those two sessions. And from there, I don't know, maybe because like they had my details and names. So that was that was on the side. So, and then Azima Magazine, who was run by an all-female, all-women group, like all women uh, team, absolutely brilliant photography, um, editorial, everything, and um, posted something on their IG saying they're looking for athletic um, women around London to share their stories, and it's going to be in campaign with Nike. And then I was like, "All right, cool." I didn't see it. My friend saw it, and she tagged, she shared the post. Mm. And this is the power of Instagram. When you see something and you think it's going to be great for someone. What, one of your loved ones, you share it. Yeah, see, I put, share I put a the thing love. up on my story yesterday, you right? Have about to, if you've like, got to hook your friends exactly, up, why would you not? You if you to, think they she, fit the part, she share thought it. I did, mm. and she believed in me. Her name is Viviana Gomez. I love her to bits. We met in Abercrombie and Fitch from where I used to work there. Love that. And then um, she sent it to me, and I was like, all right, cool. Let me just reply back. And I did. I went to the girls. Um, sorry, Jamila, who was the photographer of the campaign, her account, and I sent her a message. I was like, um, I'm a runner. I live in London. I'm interested in your campaign. What do you think? And then. They emailed me back and I completely, I always forget I have my email connected to my um, IG. Yeah. And um, and it was sitting in my spam box for 10 days. Lucky they replied. Uh, <laughs> oh they my replied. God. But the thing is, they could have chased me because obviously Instagram and things course, like that. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I, I was going through my junk box. It must have been like Christmas period. And it was the last day of work. So I logged out of work. And then I was like, oh my God, they replied back and they want me. So um, I e- DM them back. I'm like, listen, I just saw your email. I'm going to reply back right now. And I replied back. And that was the 25th of December. And they were like, it's a quick turnaround. Come through to Crystal Palace Athletic Center on the 10th and tell us your f- shoe size, everything size for Nike. So hijab, clothes, everything. So I did. I sent that. 
And then I went there on the 10th and it was all very fast, all very like, obviously when you have a big campaign coming up, you don't want to talk about it. And they don't want you to, you know, it's, it's all not not a secret, but the way for the big release. The exactly, sort of yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I went and there was a diver there and there was a footballer and myself, a runner. And I was there from 12, I think it's about 9, 10. But it was the best day ever. Okay. Like the shoot, the campaign, the team. It must have been team. mad because you wear it. Your friends wear it. Such yeah. a big brand. And, and then, then they, they I got it. Like, and then they want me. And I was like, you want me? Yeah, my face. Yeah. But it was great. Wicked. I mean, the whole team was multi-ethnic, women, strong. It was from the photographer to everything. It was just fantastic to be there. And then they did a release in Nike Town and we were invited where they premiered the film. Um, They premiered wear and the, it was the release of the Nike um, swimwear for Muslim women, for mm. modest women, full yeah. stop. And that was, and on that day, it was the second anniversary for the World Hijab Day. So they did everything so well, so aligned together. Mm. And that's where I met um, all the other girls from the team. Um, the Azima team, absolutely brilliant. Um, I met the team that was behind the Nike campaign as well. Again, all female. Um, and then they released it. And then I thought, wow, this just happened. And then it went on their Instagram page. It went on Instagram London. I'm oh, sorry, Nike London. I posted that. And then from there, it kind of became like a relationship with Nike. Yeah. And and it's like, okay, I like it. Even just saying that must yeah, be Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's nice because yeah. like, I can say I've done things for Nike. And from then, like so many doors have opened in 2020. Where deserve people it. If thought, anyone yeah, deserves it, you deserve thank it. Thank you. Thank you so much. But it's like, when people know your name and you do something, and, and they get back to you to say, we saw your work from that campaign. We want you to work with us. For me, that means the world. Of course. Like when they get back to you to say, you did that, but I want you for this. But you, d And the thing is that because like I run, I work in mental health services, I do the yoga thing as well. It's like there's more there's more than one version of Intisar. Yeah. But I can be one version for you for that one thing, but I could do another Adaptable. thing as well. That's yeah, versatile. I love it. You have to. And you learn how to work with people. You learn how to work with people that you haven't met before. Um. Yeah, doors were opened, projects were done during lockdown, and I can't wait for the world to Good. See. Right. Yeah. Now, I always, on Real As It Gets, ask the nitty-gritty questions. Go for it. That a lot of people don't like to talk about Go because that's it. how social media is. They brush yeah. it under the... And yeah. this is not in regards no, no. to Nike at all because I know Nike's an amazing brand and you wouldn't be with them if they wasn't. Yeah. Forget them. On your journey in fitness, have you ever come across any racism, yes. discrimination, yes. sexism, any of the kind? All of that, yeah. Tell me about it. Okay, so the running community is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And they they don't stand when people get harassed, bullied. We, we kind of stick up for ourselves. Yeah, Dora's post the other day yes. was good. Jeez, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. It's, you have to, though. It's yeah. like already there's not enough of us running. Mm. This is like it's not a sport for running. People are getting killed in America for being a black runner, yeah, running in a yeah, white yeah, neighborhood. Yeah. I live in a white neighborhood, for goodness sake. Like, am I going to get shot? Stabbed? Call, call me. Yeah. I'll, I'll punch them up. I don't care. I mean, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know where I live I'm now. Not, so listen, I'm like, not with anyone. I'm not with a company. I can't beat them up. It's like... Well, why is it a problem mm. how I look? Should Running know. is not a sport for just you. But then again, when Samuel Farah is winning medals, everybody's clapping for him. Mm. But if it's another runner, you've got a problem for. But if I'm running for GB and I'm black and I get a gold medal, then I'm a hero. Mm. But on the other cases, I'm not. Yeah, it's like they, they only care about your position. Yeah. Then that's, that's just yeah, wrong. And, 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 and you see it in so much in sport as well. You see it in football, you see it everywhere. Um, so yeah, I've had a couple of incidences with people. Just thinking, just making assumptions. Oh, you run, but you're Muslim. Yeah, and what does that? What does that even mean? Uh, what does Why that even mean? They had the audacity to actually say, um, but you know, Muslim women, you know, you wear a headscarf, and so, yeah, so. like, uh, what, what are you getting at? People are backwards, aren't they? It's They're like proper backwards. 
I will never forget this incident that happened. Mm. Tell me, tell me. Start line of Chicago Marathon, which is also a Nike-sponsored race. Mm. So I was in, so with Chicago, they were absolutely brilliant. They put me under the Athletes with Disability program. So I, I, I ran with that because it just gives you the comfort of not having to worry about so many things because marathon conventions can be a zoo sometimes. Mm. And I get easily overwhelmed with my MS where sometimes where I forget where things are. So you need the guidance of someone of to course, help yeah, you. Yeah, and just, especially amongst all that, you don't want to yeah, sort of like lose your bearings. Exactly. And, stuff. Yeah, and yeah. that can happen. So they were there supporting me from the get go. So at the convention race, they were there for me to pick up my bibs. Everything, Q shares, everything. And then at the end of the race, they had this huge banner that said, at the beginning of the race, they had, they put me in one of the, so I wasn't, I was the wave after mm-hmm. Sir Farah, So I could see him. I was like, okay, cool. Amazing. So the elites out there, and I'm here. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. So I'm standing there. It's so cold. Chicago I would have been milking that. I would have been like, yeah, I'm basically elite. I'm about four steps. No, I, I was milking it in a completely <laughs> yeah. other way. So there was like, everybody's cold and like huddling up together. I had this man come up to me, and he patted me on the head. Like, he's patting me on the head. And I'm like, am I, like, why are you tapping me on the head? So I was kind of like, why is anyone touching anyone? Anyway? Like, You're touching me without consent. Mm-hmm. So I looked at him and I was like, excuse me, sir, what are you doing? And then I was a bit loud. Um, I had my headset, so I didn't realize how loud I was. I was just trying to get into the zone. I'm starting to run like a 42.2 race. Like, I don't need this. But um, I was like, what are you doing? So I was loud. And then I realized, okay, I've got my headset. And then everybody just kind of like turned around because they had this British accent. So everybody was like, shh. I'm like, what are you doing, sir? And he goes, oh, no, you, you know, you're wearing a headscarf. You're wearing that. It looks really nice, that part of your costume. I'm like, it's not a costume, it's a headscarf. And I'm Muslim, and you're not meant to touch a Muslim yeah, woman. I'm not being funny. It's not like it's, uh, it's not like the Muslim community, some small community. Or I know. You know. There's, you know there's what billions you're doing. of us around the world. You're just trying to provoke yeah, and be an asshole about it. Yeah, and exactly. he had the smirk on his face that I wish I could just like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. See, but this is what you got me for now. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, what are you me, doing? So I stood there and I'm like, don't touch me. Furthermore, do not touch any woman. Full stop. Without mm. consent, do not touch someone. And I'm like, so um, my voice is getting high, high and higher, louder and louder. And there's this like, group of like black runners, black guys. And they looked at me and they just came over and they're like, sis, you're right. Yes, I'm like, no, that. I'm not okay. I'm not okay. This guy's touching Did my he head. Shit himself? He was like, oh, no, yeah, I didn't yeah, even change invite, the shoe, sir. Exactly. And they were like, no, just don't touch a, a woman. Furthermore, don't touch a black woman. Mm. Full stop. Like, full stop. Just go away. Just go away. And I had them around me for like good 15 minutes before I race started. And I was like, I feel like I'm at home. Good. Because yeah, I had people good. that so looked like me, but sounded like me. Wherever yeah, you go. wherever this I go. But having about this world. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. I should feel like that anywhere that I go. We're all children of the world. Mm. But having a group of like black human beings around me, that felt home. Nice. No matter where I was, and I was what, like... Was he part... So he, was he passed by or was he doing the marathon? No, well? no, he was running the marathon. He was, he was oh, a runner as well. Yeah, I'm right. like, for goodness sake, I'm wearing a Nike hijab. We're on brand. Like, everybody knows the swoosh. And everybody knows like now they cater. Since 2017, mm. the hijab was out. And Under Armour does it now. Adidas does it now. Why is it so new to you? There's female athletes. Muslim hijabi athletes everywhere in the it's world. It's not new. They're provoking. He did uh, yeah, it on purpose. I, I had this. I had the same conversation with yeah. uh, a couple of my mates on a, on this podcast uh, a few episodes back, and we was talking about the word, the n word yeah. used in songs. Yeah. And you get these idiots that go, "Oh, but if black guys can say it, why can't I?" Say? And it's like, no, no, it doesn't matter. It's not for you to say. It's You're I saying th- it purely to provoke. You exactly. Know not but to I say think it. now don't lots of black it. people don't use it as well because Which is of good. the yeah, history yeah, that yeah, comes good. with. Exactly. So wipe the word out. It's not a good word. It's not. It's not. Yes, it's part of. That history, but it's a mm. very painful history as yeah, well. Exactly. So keep that in mind when you're using it and spitting it out. Totally agree. So that that 15 minutes of having like this this black group around me, and I thought I feel like I'm at home. And the old runners and the runners community is absolutely the nice ones are nice. Mm-hmm. But we started talking, and they're like, "Where are you from?" I'm like, "I'm from London." 
And they're like, who do you want to win? I'm like, I'm going to be super biased, but Sam Farah, because he's British, because he's in London, because he's from Somaliland, like, we're from the same everywhere yes. in the world. And then um, he didn't win, he came fifth, I think. But anyways, I was there when he was there, you know? Yeah. But um, it was it was that 15 minutes that I felt like, okay, like, I belong. I How belong. did you get on in the marathon itself? Um, it was, Chicago was so cold. It took me two hours to warm up. Oh, really? The aim was to, like, just, just hit under five, and I did. And it was like... I had fun, but I couldn't wait for it to finish. It's on the bucket list, but yeah. I don't know how long it'll take me to do a marathon. I'll just crawl across it. I don't know. No, I think you will be able to do it. Definitely start with London. I think being introduced to marathon running through London was, it opened this, like, London is home. London crowd is second to none. Yeah. It's absolutely, even for, like, 10K races, I'm like, you guys are amazing. You turn up for a 10K race and you're sh- giving out all these sweets and candies, but London marathon crowd, the best. Berlin... Venom was nice. Was it? But I'm gonna be very diplomatic. But the energy of London is not matched. I mean, oh, Berlin sorry. is flat. I mean, it's, it's oh, a race I to get PBs. No, no, no. I Berlin was, was really nice. Races, yeah. no, 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 no. Okay. Absolutely, absolutely love being Berlin. Beautiful city, beautiful people, food and everything. But the race itself, it missed that London energy. Yeah. And it was only matched when I went to Chicago. Okay. And apparently, New York beats all of them. And I can't wait to. Go I, to New I York. remember I was in New York just yeah. uh, with my family at the time. And the marathon was going on. This was a good few years back. Yeah. And it did look like a vibe. But yeah. does part of it go through Central Park, right? It does, everything. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. I think there's, there's a part of it that goes over Manhattan Bridge. And that's right at the beginning. Because you get a ferry to Staten Island. And that's where the marathon starts. And oh, everybody wow. always says, make sure you have warm clothes. Because yeah, you'll be able to like, yeah. throw all the old stuff away. And that that's the bit that there's no spectators, nothing. It's just you, the runner, and the bridge. And that's it. But just running through the five, five boroughs of New York is meant to be a party. Each borough is meant to give a different energy. And... Every one of that I know that I've run New York and they say it's the best one. As a Londoner, for them to say that, that's a big thing. And I yeah. can't wait to like experience that and compare it to like... How, when is that looking? So I, ha- again, I got a ballot entry. I was lucky. I entered the ballot and I got it. Um, it was meant to be, I was meant to be running it last year, November 1st. But obviously because of the COVID course, pandem- yeah, no. pandemic, everything has been deferred. So I'm hopeful for this year. They gave me a future marathon entry, but it could be... This year, next year, or the year after. I'd rather so do it this when, year. So when is it? Is it the same time every year? Yeah. Marathon's always the same time every year. So usually, but London this year, I think it's in October. Um, When's New York? New York is going to be November. November. I'm, I need an excuse to get over it. I'll come and watch. New York is amazing. Yeah, it's meant watch. to be amazing. I've been, I've been twice. It's yeah, one of my I can't wait. And the, and the thing is, I'm using my marathon races, international races, as holidays now. Yeah. So I plan my holidays. Like when I was in Chicago, I planned like my whole holiday around Chicago. What would you do a few days before just to get used so, to yeah, it? Yeah, so, and it was my birthday as well. So it was my birthday weekend, Chicago weekend. I had another 5K race. Half of the runners that I know from London were there. So I had friends out there as well. But I, I had new people in Chicago anyways. And then so I was there a few days before and I stayed a few days after for all the tourists a bit and, and, and to eat the food as well. Oh, my God. When I went to New York the yeah. second time, I think I was there for like seven or eight days. Yeah. I got on a stone. I'm, I'm, but I'm a gannet. I'll eat like, I'll eat. I will the thing eat. is, after a marathon, you want to eat. I, I was eating everything i was like you know what? i just ran for goodness sake from 2.2 there's no excuses i'm gonna eat everything <laughs> yeah. but chicago is great people are nice again i was a bit flying out i was like mm, i'm going to chicago and this is through the trump administration i don't know how it felt as a muslim woman hijabi woman because i'm visibly muslim but you get there and you speak with your british accent everybody's nice yeah yeah yeah. it's weird isn't it when everybody's i was in new york nice. they love yeah, a british they accent love they love it. it and i'm like i love you they're like nah girl we love you i'm like <laughs> Everybody was nice from Uber drivers, and I was catching an Uber everywhere. Who yeah. did I think I was? Like it was so cheap. It's <laughs> flashy. They're it's like, I'll, take, I'll get the Uber. Why are you getting Uber? Uber's I'm like, it's so cheap. Yeah, it's cheap. I it's think the cheapest so cheap. was South Africa when I went there. Yeah. But yeah, America is very, very cheap for Uber. Yeah, but then again, I thought, how am I going to know the city if I don't get the tube? And I did. I got their travel cards are super cheap as well. And then I was in and out, and I thought, okay, this is great. This is really nice. Right, and 
now, so you've built yourself up in the fitness world. Yeah. Now, have you ever gone any uh, gone through any of uh, problems, discrimination, or anything recently? Let it out. I mean, it happens at work sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Who? NHS. I mean, I, I love I love what I do, and and there's been so many reports, and you see it with the COVID pandemic and how people from Black, Asian, minority ethnic communities have been the most affected. Yeah. And death rates are quite high. Um, black women tend to suffer in the birthing room more than their counter- white and Asian counterparts. Why is that? There is systemic racism in the NHS. I have experienced it working in different trusts around London. Mm. Um, it does happen. Um, you yeah, see it. And, and, and you want to, like, now I'm at the point where when I see racism, I'm like, you're being racist, yo. Like, you can't yeah, say call that. Them out. Yeah, call them yeah, out. And we Absolutely. do it at work. Call I work in mental health services, and there's all these, like, I'm part of the race equality um, committee, so I'm helping my directors kind of like make sure like things don't happen in the NHS that happened before, and they were swapped underneath the carpet no more. And then because there's a tendency when you work in mental health services, oh, but they're not well. But that doesn't mean that someone can say what they want to oh, say to no you. Way. Fuck and yeah, it has exactly. happened to me, and I thought I'm gonna take it on the chin. And the the counter transfer of it, like this this person hurling abuse at you mm. but in your head you're thinking you're not well you're not well you're not well you're not well so it's going to be okay but no i went home and i thought no it shouldn't be like this no, someone shouldn't tell me go back to where you came from i'm like i come from harrow do you want to come with me like wow. what's, what's the big deal but and i remember every time a recent incident happened and i'll tell my dad i'm like this is what's happening he goes why are you still working for the nhs like they don't value you but i'm like i love what i do i love the ethos of the nhs there's nothing like it in the world mm. and and yes like it has its flaws, but for goodness sake, look how well they're doing. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a, that's a tough one for me because yeah. I'm kind of biased with your dad. Yeah, but I'd, like if they don't value you, I just think you've, I know. you fuckers. You've got someone good working with you, and yeah, you treat I know. them like that. But the thing is, like, I've I've flipped it though. I've joined um, when I was working at West Hearts, and I've had some horrible incidents happen. Mm. I've even had someone like draw a swastika sign on the toilet. The fuck is wrong with yeah, yeah, yeah. I completely forgot about that. Mm. And 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 draw a swastika sign on my name board on my door um they were like trump is the way kkk is the way like and they would scrub up my name like every other week of the the, the um it team will make me a board and they put up on my door and then there'll be like scribbles all around there and i'm like oh, it's not even patience because that. where i work patients can't get in i'm mm. like there's a number of staff doing this so i've had those incidents but i still went back to work um but i, I through that i gotta respect your passion I respect your passion yeah. and just sort of working through that even though that's fucking horrible it is horrible to, uh, to go through home. that but you're just like you know yeah. what I'm still this is what I love I could have taken try and block leave. out these assholes yeah and I could just have get, yeah. easily got to went to my GP it's because you're passionate and you're passionate like about. sign me off from work mm. um, I remember like I think the last incident when it happened and I had a brilliant manager where I was like I can't do this anymore I need to go home and she goes you know what I don't even come back to work like take the week off and I did and it's like you take this back home and I'll tell my parents and they're like how is it you're dealing with all of this, but you're still going back? Mm. But I don't know. I still work. You're a soldier. I absolutely love it. You I love what I do. You should never have to go through that. Yeah. Anyone should. Nobody know should. Nobody, nobody should. That. No matter how old you are, age, gone skin, it, color, nothing. Yeah. And you're still sticking to your mission, your goal, your life's purpose. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 it, I love, I love the NHS. Yeah, it's been good. there for me, and it's been there for others. Yeah. And, and I really, truly believe in what they do. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're amazing. I got a couple minutes left, and I like to finish every episode with. Go for it. What is your definition of happiness? That's you know what? Yeah, it might be an easy question, but it's super tough. Oh no, it's tough. It's tough because yeah. you you got to think. I've just asked you on the spot. Yeah. 
And it's um, annoying. You'll probably get home and you'll be like, oh, I should have said that. My true definition of happiness is seeing people around me happy. That's good. And that yeah. just flew off the tongue. I like yeah, that. Yeah, I love seeing... I mean, my dad just retired and he is so happy and I'm happy for him. Yeah. My mum, like my mum, like she lives here and then she moves back to Dubai. So she does the six months here, six months there, lady of leisure. Love and it. they're planning to retire soon. But they've earned it. They have. Of course. I, I have no doubt they've probably worked their ass off over yeah, the years. Yeah, they have. And it's like, it's nice. Enjoy time, it. Go, go back and forth. Yeah, yeah exactly. They're going on holiday yeah, end yeah. this month. I'm like, you know, it's a pandemic and you guys are flying around. Standard. But, you know, it's brilliant. Why not? And it's like, I love seeing my sisters happy. I have two sisters, two brothers. I love seeing my niece and nephew happy. I love seeing everybody around me happy. Amazing. I, I like that. And running makes people happy, so I need to see you run. Oh, my God. No, no just yeah, like it, it will make you happy because yeah. you'll be laughing. You'll be like, honestly, Jesus Christ, a high, state of his form. High, honestly, there's this high associated with running. It's not just like runners say hi to each other, so they wave at yeah. you, but there's the runner's high as well. well. I don't know. On Paddock and Rec track where I train, Yeah. The but runners on that track are miserable. They'll run, and if you're in there late, move. Yeah, move. Like, oh. Yeah, I know. But that track track work is different. But if you're running out on the pavement and you see an everyday runner, yeah, and yeah. those are the runners that I love. You, you do you. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's brilliant. Right. So yeah. anyone that's listened to this episode, yeah, and you are lacking motivation. Yeah. Listen to this lovely episode story. Go get it. What did I just say? Listen to this lovely episode story. <laughs> yeah, listen. <laughs> listen to this lovely lady story. Thank if you so you much. Ever lack motivation? She's boss in MS. Works for the NHS. She runs marathons. She weight trains with a very tough trainer. Yes. No excuses. No, no. Honestly, you're fucking amazing. Thank and it was a pleasure so having you Thank on. Thank you for having me on board. No, no, no. Man, it was my honestly. pleasure. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Well done. Oh, that was great. Yes. Honestly. Whoa, that was so good. It felt like a proper, like, tap. Oh, but that's how it should be. <laughs>